0: Hi, everybody, this is Gary Sandy, and thank you very much for listening to the WKRP cast. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide, and say,
1: Weather today in the greater Cincinnati area.
2: Are you awake? Whoa! Are you awake now? But the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. Say what? Dear God, she's going to kill us
3: all. Welcome to the WKRP cast. My name is Donna Stare.
1: And I'm her husband, Alan. This is a week-by-week, episode-by-episode rewatch. We're getting into the music, the
3: trivia, and the
1: fun of WKRP.
3: So, fellow babies, don't touch that dial. It's time for the WKRP cast. I'm a
1: WKRP
3: in Cincinnati.
1: Welcome back to another WKRP cast. This week we're getting Upwardly Mobile. Donna, what is our episode?
3: We are ready to discuss Venus Rising. The air date was the 10th of March, 1980. It was written by Steve Marshall and Dan Gunselman. Story editors, Dan Gunselman, Steve Marshall, Stephen Campman, and PJ Tarakvi. Executive story consultant, Blake Hunter. It was directed by Nicholas Stamos. Venus is offered a job as program director at another Cincinnati radio station. At WREQ, he finds the programs are auto-run programming and he doesn't have a thing to do. They only want him as an affirmative action hire.
1: The Ramblin' Wreck. I'd go just for the cool name on the station. (laughs) Our director, Nicholas Stamos, has had an interesting career in Hollywood. He's tried a little bit of everything over the years. He started out as an actor, first appearing on The Rookies in 1975. He did an episode of Kojak and one of Starsky and Hutch in 1976. And that was it for acting for Nicholas. He was done.
3: Well, next up for Nicholas, directing. This episode of WKRP in 1980 was his very first directing gig. He will direct two more WKRP episodes. He helms A Simple Little Wedding in season three, and he was the man in the big chair for The Impossible Dream in season four. Impossible Dream, where Les's mother comes to visit, is oftentimes listed as one of the least popular episodes of the series. After three episodes of comedy over three seasons, Nick decided comedy wasn't his thing. (laughs) He then did an episode of the short-lived daytime soap called Rituals in 1984. Also in 84, he did three episodes of the more successful soap, Santa Barbara. That would be it for Mr. Stamos's directing career.
1: I didn't find anything personal on Nicholas Stamos, but just from looking at his bio, I get the idea. It took him eight years to go through college, and he changed his major nine times. <laughs> That's just kind of Nick's, Nick's uh, trademark here, because in 1990, Nick was back on the showbiz scene, only now as a producer. He has 14 producer credits. He kind of liked the producer gig and stayed with it. Usually, he's listed as a line producer. You've probably never heard of anything Nick worked on as a producer. At least, I hope you haven't. One notable title that caught my attention... Auntie Lee's Meat Pies, wherein a devil-worshipping woman sends her four beautiful nieces out to lure unsuspecting men so they can be killed and ground up
3: uh, uh, as... Uh, uh,
1: well, you heard uh, the title. Uh, uh, Even though he has a very famous last name, we're pretty sure Nicholas is no relation to John Stamos because John Stamos's real last name is Stamatopoulos. This is our episode director, Nicholas Stamos.
3: Ugh, let's Let's get into this episode, shall we? Yeah. We begin in the studio. Venus is at the mic. The lights are low and candles are lit. Venus introduces Kenny Loggins, and this is it. He picks up the phone receiver and asks if the person is still there.
0: Well, uh, it's a very flattering offer. But I got to tell you, I'm very happy here. Sure. Yeah, we can talk. I mean, no harm in that, huh? I'd appreciate it, though, if you keep it uh, confidential. Okay, tomorrow at noon.
1: Yeah, thanks. Goodbye now. This Is It is a song by American musician Kenny Loggins. It was released in 1979 as the first single from his album, Keep the Fire. It hit number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100. The song features additional vocals by Michael McDonald, who co-wrote this song with Loggins. This is it. Make no mistake where you are. This is it. You're back. During the writing process, Logan says the melody was coming along fine, but he was having trouble with the lyrics. After a visit with his father, Logan's perspective on this song changed. His dad was experiencing a series of strokes due to vascular problems. Returning from the visit, he told McDonald he'd had a revelation. This wasn't a love song. It was a life song. From there... The lyrics fell into place.
3: Les enters the studio.
1: And now a special look at this episode's bandage placement for the five-time Buckeye NewsHawk Award winner, Les Nesman. This is the Les Nessman Bandage Report. Now here's Donna Stair with her report about Les Nesman.
3: Lower right arm.
1: This has been a look at the bandage placement for Silver Sow and Copper Cobb Award-winning journalist Les Nesman.
3: Les flips the lights on, and he walks over to Venus.
2: Well, are you going to take it or not?
3: Venus looks up at him.
2: Take what? The program director's job at WREQ.
3: Venus is surprised, and he asks Les how he knew about that. Venus says that he just finished talking to the guy. Les laughs.
1: I heard it from their news director.
3: Les licks his fingers and pinches out the flame of one of the candles. How? Les is a good news
1: guy. He's always got his finger on the pulse. He knows what's happening.
3: He's got his ears open all yeah. the time.
1: Venus tells Les he'd appreciate it if he didn't tell anyone else about this. Well, he's not very good about that. Les is a news guy. He likes to spread the word. He says, <laughs> But he tells Venus he doesn't need to worry about him. Everyone already knows. How could they? I told them. <laughs> <laughs> So Venus grabs his coffee mug and leaves the studio on the way out calling Les a... Uh, little twerk. Les turns the volume up in the studio.
3: So Les isn't sure about this song, and uh, he's not sure when it ends. He has several false starts before deciding to just cut the music off.
2: And now, Porker's Paradise Sweet Meat Treats, purveyors of pork-like products to the
3: Tri-Counties, proudly present... He flips a switch to start his introduction silence.
1: And Les got betrayed by a cart machine. Cart machines were notorious for this. You crushed your fingers every time you pushed a cart button. All kinds of stuff could happen. The tape could foul, and then it would just stop moving. It would wrap around the pinch roller in there, or it would just break. And you're left with dead air when you thought you had a commercial going Mm, or an intro or something like that. So Les is stuck.
3: He decides to do the intro himself. He cups his hands around his mouth. Les Nessman!
2: (laughs) This is Les Nesman with the 7 p.m. news. The presidential campaign heats up as Carter-Kennedy coffee-clatch concludes clash concerning Kansas Convention Caucus. But in Butte, Bush, Baker, and Brown blast bountiful big business boom. I'll be right back after these meef presages.
1: All right, now, Les is into some high-speed alliteration or is that right? Alliteration? Uh-huh. Yeah, high-speed alliteration here. So let's slow this down a bit and see what Les is really saying. The presidential campaign heats up, okay? We got that, 1980 presidential election year, as Carter-Kennedy-Coffee-Clatch, Jimmy Carter, Teddy Kennedy, something Democratic, concludes clash concerning Kansas Convention Caucus. Okay, all of those things were really in the news at that time, but none of that makes any sense. We couldn't find any story about coffee or Kansas, the, the caucus where Carter and... Can- Les just liked all those sounds going together.
3: And he's name-dropping.
1: Yeah, well, uh, he did it again with the bees here, <laughs> but in Butte, Bush baker and brown blast big business boom so butte montana george hw bush most likely at that time uh probably james baker uh who was the secretary of state under bush and then jerry brown maybe I don't know. It just works with the bees, And this is what Les is uh, leading us into as we head into our theme.
3: WKRP in Cincinnati. We come back into Carlson's office. Carlson is standing at his desk. He's holding a package wrapped in shiny gold paper and tied with a big red bow. He reads the card.
1: Parker's Paradise sweetmeat
3: Treats. The package is in the shape of a whole ham. There's a knock on the door. Travis enters with Herb following behind. Oh,
1: my goodness. And it's
3: time.
1: Herb Darling. Fashion alert.
3: Herb is wearing a white dress shirt with gray stripes, a green, white, and shades of brown with square patterned tie, lightning bolt plaid green, blue, and yellow jacket, and black slacks with his signature white belt and shoes. That
1: coat, that coat (laughs) is, oh man, it'll reach out and just grab you and shake you.
3: Yes, I think it's the plaid in those little... Yeah, yeah, it's
1: it's violent, the, the shape that it is in there. I also wanted to mention something. Having not seen this episode in a long, long time, I had the greatest rush of happiness when I heard Art say, Paradise Sweet Meat Treats. I just had this memory of it how back funny, families, huh? how funny all of this was. Yeah, the this whole ham subplot that goes on throughout the entire episode. When he read that card, I just was reminded of it and I remembered it and I was so happy.
3: Carlson, thanks, Andy, for knocking. Somebody actually knocked. <laughs> And then he proudly shows them his ham. Andy tells Carlson he got one, too.
0: Matter of fact, I think we got uh, 200 hams. They're in the storeroom.
3: 200 <laughs> See, hams. And it just keeps going and going.
1: <laughs> this, this bee story reminds me of the Johnny drinking himself sober level of just how it just is woven through the entire episode. Mm-hmm. We've got hams everywhere, and everybody's getting hams. So Andy turns the floor over to Herb, the man responsible for the hams. Herb tries to change the subject to the news about Venus, but Andy won't let him off the hook. See,
4: I've been uh, calling on the uh, Porker's Paradise people for about, I don't know, two years now. They just would not advertise on WKRP. So I got to thinking, what, just what could I do? Got an idea. How about a trade-off? They bought it. Nesman's got a sponsor. And we've got a lot of ham.
1: Andy looks at Art telling him the hams are going to spoil. Herb says they won't spoil, which brings us to... The line of the episode.
4: No, it can't. You see, because this stuff is... Well, it's not exactly real meat.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's not real meat. (laughs) What is it? Oh, I'm scared to ask. <laughs> oh man!
1: So this kind of reminded us of on Friends when um, Monica had to mess with the mocklet. Mocklet,
3: mocklet. yes, it's the not fake chocolate. It's not really chocolate.
1: Could you come up with some recipes for us? This is the same kind of thing. Mocklet. That stuff's not exactly real meat. That's when Art throws his ham back onto his desk.
2: What? What is that?
1: <laughs> I don't know,
3: <laughs> but
4: it
1: can't spoil.
3: <laughs> <laughs> they I don't, don't know, know what it is, but, but it, it won't can't spoil. <laughs>
1: that stuff's around for ages.
3: Andy rolls his eyes, oh, and he and Herb begin to argue. You, you know, I don't get any respect around here. You don't you get any don't respect. respect about her her. Here. The <laughs> door opens, and Venus enters. Now let's take a look at Venus's vibin threads. Venus is wearing a white jacket with a purple pin on the lapel white pants, a purple shirt with colorful circle patterns, and a thin white tie under his shirt collar. It's loosely tied so that his top two shirt buttons can be undone. Venus asks if he can interrupt for a second. I
0: uh, know you've heard, so I just want to let you know I haven't made up my mind yet. Ah, you haven't, huh?
1: The famous WKRP communication breakdown. Breakdown,
3: yes. Carlson and Andy still have hams on their minds. They're not really paying attention. No,
1: I'm just considering.
0: Good. Well, I don't want you guys to freak out.
3: (laughs) Okay,
2: we won't. (laughs) Good, thanks. No, thank
3: you. (laughs) Venus looking a bit confused. Well, and maybe a little bit hurt, he turns and walks out of the office. Yeah,
1: he kinda thought he was gonna get the hey, we wanna keep your buddy yeah, speech leave. right Please, there. Don't and leave. and none of that. So he kinda walks out not they feeling were a little so good.
3: Distracted.
1: Yeah, they, they got a lot of they got a lot of pseudo hams to deal with.
3: <laughs> Andy
1: turns to Art and asks him what that was all about. Well, I don't know. I thought you did. <laughs> uh oh. Andy shakes his head. No, Herb tells him he knows.
4: Venus got a job offer from Rec Radio.
1: Art asks, what kind of an offer? Herb says, program director. We can't afford to lose Venus, can we?
3: Andy tells Carlson they can't lose Venus. Carlson tells Andy to make a counter offer. Give him a title. If he
2: really gets tough, let's talk parking space.
3: <laughs> He's out the parking space.
1: And both of those things don't cost Art a dime. A title, <laughs> a parking space, all of that stuff is free to Art.
3: Andy heads to the door to leave. <laughs> That's a pretty good station, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. They uh, they make money. <laughs> <laughs> Andy leaves and Herb is left alone. With Carlson.
1: Make money, not meat. There's your bumper sticker, right there. (laughs) Carlson gives Herb the evil eye. Herb points at the ham, trying to distract him again. That can't spoil. Did I mention that? (laughs) (laughs) It's the one feature. It's the one feature of those things that's really good. They never (laughs) spoil. So, Art is so mad, he can't even get words out. He shoves the ham into Herb's gut, and he points at the door for him to just get out what what is that (laughs) i don't know
3: the next scene brings us into the bullpen where jennifer is sorting mail and she's talking with bailey johnny is filling his coffee mug well i heard it from Les. huh i heard it from the cleaning woman Les dates the cleaning woman (laughs) venus comes into the bullpen he says hello to all of them but they just stare at him. How's it going? Nothing. More staring. He tries again.
1: Nice day today,
0: huh?
3: <laughs> Still, no reaction.
0: Some would say it was a little chilly, but I think that's nitpicking.
1: I love the WKRP grapevine.
3: Oh, it didn't take long yeah, for states to, states to get the cleaning around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, finally, Johnny... Speaks up. It's a little uncomfortable uh, standing in there with Venus just talking to himself. So, going to be a hotshot PD, huh? Venus tells him he got a call. That's all. And you're listening, and they're talking, and you know what you're going to get, pal? Hmm? You think about it,
2: huh? You know? Financial security, a palatial home, bright future. You know, you're going to have a big car with a wine cellar in the glove box. <laughs> Matching bracelet and necklaces for every day of the week.
0: It's
2: a whole cashmere lifestyle. Gordon Sims, young executroid.
1: Johnny's making up words. Executroid? I want to see how that's spelled. Bailey comes over to Venus and asks him what he wants to be a PD for, anyway.
2: Venus, you are the best DJ in the whole wide world.
1: Johnny shoots Bailey a look. Uh,
2: Oops. One of the
1: best. Johnny sulks towards the door in a world of egos. And man, radio is full of egos. Bailey is sticking her foot in her mouth. She follows him trying to fix things.
3: The best nighttime DJ. This begins Bailey's foot in mouth running gag.
1: So Johnny waves her off saying, that's all
3: right. He'll just
1: be on the air. He walks out and pouting.
3: Bailey turns to Venus and she continues. Besides, program directors do nothing. They just sit on their duffs. <laughs> she hasn't seen that Andy has come in and he's standing behind her. She turns and sees Andy. Most program directors, <laughs> not all. <laughs> not Andy Travis here, for instance. No, sirree. <laughs> A very important job. <clears throat> you know what? <laughs> I should leave.
2: Oh. <laughs> Good
3: idea. I'm leaving now. <laughs> <Yep. Uh-oh. laughs> Bailey walks out of the door leading to the studio hallway. Andy asks to talk to Venus in the hall, and they leave.
1: And it's not over. The, the Bailey gag, not over. Be watching for it. <laughs> Herb comes into the bullpen. He's cradling the ham that Art shoved at him. Jennifer asks Herb if he heard about Venus. Herb says, Yeah, he has, but not to worry. He's not going anywhere. I'll
4: offer him more money, and he'll stay. It's how it works. I love the guy.
1: I hope so. Jennifer thanks Herb for the ham. (laughs) Grabbing the one he just carried in, he offers her another.
2: No, I think six will be plenty.
3: (laughs) I'm going to keep one and give the rest to my mailman. He has a bomb shelter. (laughs) These hams would be perfect for a bomb shelter.
1: Jennifer's mailman most likely has what's more accurately called a fallout. Shelter. The use of the term bomb shelter for a blast hardened protective space can be traced all the way back to 1833 and the British military. It wasn't until the Cold War and the threat of global thermonuclear destruction that home fallout shelters started to appear.
3: A fallout shelter is supposed to be hardened against a nuclear blast, usually with layers of rebar and concrete as far below the ground as you could afford to dig. The fallout shelter is also designed to act as a place to wait out nuclear winter. They are usually equipped with air filtration equipment, electrical generators or batteries, And a long-lasting food supply. A ham that can't spoil would be perfect for a fallout shelter.
1: Herb should be selling these things to survivalists. That's how he can get rid of the 200 (laughs) hams. So Herb tells Jennifer she's the only one who has thanked him. No
4: one respects me around here.
1: Walking over to Herb's desk, Jennifer assures him they do respect him. I think she's being nice. Herb tells her they don't. Jennifer says no, that she respects him. This kind of gets Herb's attention. He looks up at her. (laughs) Jennifer turns quickly and hurries away from his desk.
3: Herb stands and he calls after her. She turns around and asks, What? I need a hug. (laughs) Jennifer makes him repeat it. A what? A hug. Herb is standing, his head's bowed, he's looking at the floor. Jennifer walks over by him. She's got to work up the courage. Then she puts her arms around Herb. He slowly puts his arms around her.
1: And you know, that was kind of a, Touching moment. It, I with Herb, I was worried it might become kind of a creepy moment. I think it was he a touching himself. moment. He did, yeah.
3: Well, yeah. he was really feeling kind of down in the dumps. Yeah. We
1: move now into the hallway outside the studio, and we've got a poster. Watch, you've got Michael Jackson down there at the end of the hall behind Venus's head. That's a promo poster for his Off the Wall album.
3: So Venus and Andy are out in the hallway, and Venus is telling Andy he's just going to have lunch with the guy. That's all. Andy says, okay, all right. Venus goes on to tell Andy that he turned 30 last week. He's not a kid anymore.
1: And this would be the magic of television. Venus may only be 30 in March of 1980, but Tim Reed had just turned 35 in December of 1979.
3: Andy apologizes for forgetting Venus's birthday. Venus tells him it's okay. Andy says that he would have gotten him something, too. It's just that...
0: I took a look at my wardrobe and I asked myself, does a
3: grown man dress
0: like this?
1: Andy's only half listening to Venus. i got to remember to write these birthdays down on my calendar. <laughs>
0: it's okay, Andy. Just i got to start thinking about my future, man. I can't spend records all my life. He
3: is really stuck on forgetting <laughs> his birthday. Worried. That's bothering
1: him. Andy gets fixated on things sometimes. Andy just tells him to let him know what their offer is and give him a chance at least to beat it. Venus says he will. The door to the studio opens, and we hear Tell the Truth by Ray Charles as Bailey is backing out. Johnny, you are the
2: best DJ in the country. All right, in the whole wide world. That's right,
3: bar none.
1: <laughs> He turns and comes face to face with Venus. Oh.
3: God. <laughs> Tell the truth is a tune that comes from Ray Charles's incredible live album, Ray Charles in Person, released in July of 1960. Tell the truth. <laughs> The album was the recording of a May 1959 performance at a college in Atlanta. The album was recorded on a single microphone by a local DJ, but it is noted for its technical excellence. The song was written by Loman Pauling for the Five Royals in 1952. Ike and Tina Turner would also record a version of the tune, not to be confused with the 1970 song of the same name written by Bobby Whitlock and Eric Clapton. And recorded by traffic.
1: We head now to a place we've never been before, the WREQ station offices.
3: Ooh, how nice.
1: Yes, classy. We come back to the very spacious lobby of WREQ radio. An attractive African-American woman is answering the phones. Venus comes through the door, accompanied by a little white guy who has his arm around Venus. Well,
2: so far, what do you think?
0: Brother Venus? And
1: he's really making everybody uncomfortable. At least I know he was making me uncomfortable. Venus nods his head and tells him it's nice. Then he sees the receptionist. Very nice.
3: So are Cincinnati radio stations somehow judged on the hotness of their receptionists? Is Jennifer just another face in the crowd? What's going on here? And. This receptionist, she even reads magazines at her desk, (laughs) just like Jennifer.
1: That is the stereotype of the radio receptionist in Cincinnati.
3: Reale introduces Venus to the receptionist.
2: Amanda, honey, I'd like you to meet our new program director,
3: Venus Flytrap,
2: Amanda Dean.
3: Venus is smiling at Amanda. Well,
0: I haven't quite actually... Made up my mind, but I'm beginning to.
3: Amanda tells Venus that it's nice to meet him. You missed a flytrap, is it? Venus tells her his name is really Gordon Sims. Amanda repeats his name and smiles at him.
1: Gordon.
2: (laughs) (laughs) On the air, it's Venus here now just chanting, it's Gordon, I love
1: it. (laughs) So, when can you start? Amanda Dean, our receptionist, is being played by Brenda Elder. Brenda was born in England in 1938. She is most likely best remembered for her recurring role as Elsie Seddon, the mother of Sally Webster on Coronation Street from 1986 to 1997. Now, if Coronation Street's not ringing a bell, it's because it's British. It is the longest running television soap opera in the world. It's been on continuously since 1960 on the BBC. Coronation Street focuses on the everyday lives of people who live in Manchester, England. And I would bet over the last 60 years, everybody has been on Coronation Street.
3: Jason Reale is played by Terry Kaiser. Terry Kaiser is an American acting powerhouse based on longevity alone. Kaiser has appeared in either a film or TV show in each of the last seven decades. Kaiser was born in 1939 in Elmhurst, Illinois and raised in Omaha, Nebraska. Although Kaiser has performed in more than 159 roles since 1968, you probably remember his electrifying performance as the deceased title character in the comedy Weekend at Bernie's, And its sequel, Weekend at Bernie's 2.
1: Out of 159 things he's done, that's what he's remembered for. (laughs) Kaiser got his start on the daytime soap, The Doctors. He appeared on 52 episodes between 1967 and 68. During the 1970s and early 80s, Kaiser was everywhere. He was primarily on TV, but he'd also catch a movie role now and then, and they'd be actual living roles. (laughs) Kaiser appeared in Three's Company. One Day at a Time. The Love Boat. Night Court. Maude. The Golden Girls. And WKRP in Cincinnati, to name a very few out of a long list. He first met Hugh Wilson, performing on an episode of The Tony Randall Show. And get this, it was co-written by Bill Dial. In that episode, he also co-starred with Lee Berger, who we met during Fish Story. Lee was the guy in the pig suit. A
3: quick note about Terry's character's name, Jason Reali, R-E-A-L-L-I. It was an actual last name, but not a very popular one. The U.S. Census shows one Rialli family living in Massachusetts in the 1920s. We also found a guy in Brazil named Antonio Rialli who makes high-end couture for dolls.
1: Yep, this guy's getting up to $90 a dress, making high-fashion gowns for basically Barbie. They're called fashion dolls, but they look like Barbie. Really? <laughs> Other than that, Jason is the only really we've ever met. It also doesn't have a meaning as a word that I could find. We're pretty sure it's a sound-alike joke. This guy is so fake, of course he'd be named really. A week. Give him a week. That's all they need.
3: Venus tells Rally. He really
2: Reali.
3: Reali, he'd like to give a 2 weeks notice.
2: 2 weeks is fair, you're right. I'm out of order too. <laughs> so when do I see the other DJs?
3: Really chuckles and looks at Amanda.
2: DJs.
3: Really tells Venus there have been a couple of changes.
2: We are automated. Just like NASA first class across the board. Amanda, honey, why don't you let Venus See Max.
3: Amanda gets up, lowers the lights, flips a switch, and we see some mini-blinds open, revealing a large automation machine with flashing lights, buttons, and reel-to-reels turning while The Same Thing Makes You Laugh, Makes You Cry by Sly and the Family Stone is playing. Proudly, Reale waves his arms as he tells Venus about
2: Max. Max Max is our disc jockey. 24 hours a day, he plays all our music. You see, with you on the air every night, people will still think we're live.
1: That song Max is playing, Same Thing Makes You Laugh, Makes You Cry, by Sly and the Family Stone, comes from their 1979 album, Back on the Right Track. This was the ninth studio album for Sly and the Family Stone, and it was intended as a comeback for the band.
0: Same thing that makes you laugh.
1: The comeback failed to materialize. The album didn't chart, and it didn't produce any hits. But you might remember Johnny did play another cut from this album, Remember Who You Are, at the end of Mike Fright.
3: Really continues, telling Venus that there are already 1,500 automated stations in this country.
2: You realize that if you buy your news from a national service, you could run an entire station with no people. No people. Think of that one.
3: now he closes his eyes and he gets this look of euphoria on his face
1: he's an executroid right there that's an executroid a word about max that really is pretty much what an automation machine looked like in the early 1980s all of the music comes from those large pancake reel-to-reel decks and the commercials are being played from cart decks in a rotating carousel That means everything is tape-based. Tape-based automation systems were notorious for making mistakes and causing a lot of dead air. They also couldn't go for more than a few hours without being reprogrammed. Today, automated stations are run entirely from a computer. They can run for days with no tape, no carts, and no mistakes. Well, fewer mistakes
3: so after meeting max venus asks reality what he would do around there not
1: much
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean the music is programmed out in new york so all you have to do is just tape a couple of things interviews and so on so the people still think it's all coming out of cincinnati and that's about it it's perfect
3: venus is not looking as excited as before we hear the phone ring as reality continues Telling Venus how great it is to work for Megalo Communications.
2: Megalo. <laughs> the opportunities are limitless. We're very proud of our affirmative action program.
3: So
1: Venus looks at
2: reality. Affirmative action. Hey, hey, hey. You know about that, right? Huh? It's reality, it's New York. New York? A call from the largest city in the United States. I'll take that one. (laughs) Now,
3: in 1980, New York was the most populous city in the U.S. with 7 million people. Second was Chicago with 3 million and then L.A. at a very close 2.9 million. By the 2020 census, New York City is still the biggest with 8.8 million. Now L.A. is number two with 3.9 million, and Chicago has fallen to third, with 2.7 million.
1: I was surprised about that, that New York was still the biggest city in the United States. I thought LA had surpassed New York. So Venus is looking sick to his stomach, finding out the reality of this new job. Riali heads back to his office to take the phone call. He tells Venus, the, give him five. Then he wants him to meet the salesman. 14 of the most gung-ho guys that you would ever want to meet,
2: huh?
1: <laughs> a room full of herbs. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing, Riali shoots a finger gun at Venus. Of course, this guy does finger guns and leaves the room. Venus mirrors the finger gun right back at him, then Venus points the finger gun to his head.
3: (laughs) We come to the studio, where Johnny is at the mic, and he's drinking from his coffee mug, reading Billboard magazine, and listening to Money, That's What I Want by the Flying Lizards. Les enters the studio, says good morning to Johnny, and Johnny asks Les, what's new? Les turns the volume down.
2: Cincinnati City Council crosses County Commission and Clancy Causeway controversy.
3: (laughs) Consequently, Critical Caucus canceled casually. Johnny asks Les if he's developed a fondness for alliteration.
1: So we're listening to Money, That's What I Want by The Flying Lizards. You probably know the song, you may not know the group. This is the 1959 Barrett Strong hit that launched Motown. Best things in life are free. But you can give them to the present It was co-written by Barry Gordy and Janie Bradford and first recorded by Barrett Strong right there in Hitsville Studio A. It became the very first hit for Gordy's Tamla label in June of 1960. It went to number two on the R&B chart and peaked at number 23 on the U.S. Hot 100. The proceeds from this song would finance much of Motown's founding. An interesting side note about that initial recording, both the guitar and bass players on the session were a couple of high school kids who happened to hear the music while walking by on the street in Detroit. They stopped in and asked if they could play along. No one caught their names, and they were never credited.
3: So don't you think these guys would have heard the song on the radio or something and said, Hey... That's the one Probably. we played along with and They I, didn't get some any of it, Proceeds from it Well or?
1: there are kind of local legends that certain Guys that went on to be big X-Men Were the ones that played on this and so You know Barry Gordy a, a lot Of Motown and Hitsville is This kind of legend so you, know, you never know what the reality is Or what really happened
3: A lot of artists have covered money Including both the Beatles and the Rolling Stones No remake has come close to being as weird as the flying lizards version
2: the best things in life are free but you can give them to the birds and bees i want money that's what i want
3: the flying lizards were a new wave experimental group out of the uk formed in 1976 producer david cunningham assembled and led the group The most notable member was probably Robert Fripp, founder and lead guitarist for King Crimson. The Lizards were active until 1984, but this was their only single of any note. It went to number 50 on the U.S. Hot 100. They liked to do the unaffected robotic makeover to old songs. Summertime Blues also got the lizard treatment.
2: Sometimes I wonder what I'm going to do. But there ain't no cure
4: for the summertime
3: blues. Yeah, they, they were weird, They're weren't Very they? weird.
1: That was new wave. So Les tells Johnny he's trying to find a style. The all good newsmen nowadays have to have a style in order to stand out from the crowd. Johnny tells Les he's got a style, and it is really unique. How
2: many newsmen call Chichi Rodriguez Chai Chai Rodriguez? <laughs> The little Mexican dogs? Chihuahuas?
1: (laughs) Les needs to do like Spanish pronunciation 101. He really needs some help there. So Johnny slaps Les on the back. That's
0: style, Les.
3: So Herb enters the studio and it's time.
1: Herb Darlick, fashion alert.
3: Again. Herb is wearing a dark brown three-piece polyester suit with white stitching around the jacket's lapel, cuffs, pocket openings, and side seams. There's also white stitching down the sides of each pant leg. (laughs) Very interesting. This is a Hall
1: of Fame (laughs) suit. It really is. This one is amazing.
3: Well, the white stitching around everything makes it look like it's outlined.
1: Like he's a cartoon. Yeah. He's drawn.
3: The vest and jacket both have shiny gold buttons, and they're not small. (laughs) He also has a yellow dress shirt and blue and peach paisley tie, two-toned brown and white (laughs) shoes. Now, the entire suit has what looks like... chalk lines running up and down and it shimmers as well it's the gift that
1: keeps on giving that suit is amazing i wish he'd had just gotten up on the desk so we could really see it
4: well guess what somebody else around here has just gotten a job offer
3: less asks who herb tells them it was him and that he met with a guy from channel 71 last night well johnny congratulates him And shakes his hand. How long are you going to hang
2: around here? There's no reason to just, you know, stay here for nothing, right? You gotta, like, throw him a going-away party or something, I think. Congratulations, it's great. I'm really happy for you. Drop us a card, okay?
1: Les asks Herb what kind of job it is. Herb tells him it's in sales, of course, and he will get a sizable increase in pay. Herb then leans down close to Les. Listen
4: to me, Les, and listen to me closely. Do not tell anyone about this. Particularly Carlson or
1: Travis. Les says he won't.
4: And Herb adds... And, less, don't tell them soon.
1: <laughs> Herb knows Les way too well. Oh,
3: yeah. We come to the bullpen and we see Herb enter. He walks over to Bailey and tells her he needs her advice about something. It's about your suit. <laughs>
1: they know they know how outrageous that suit is
3: he tells her no he leans down close to bailey
1: this is strictly on the qt
4: i do not want you to tell anyone and i mean it
3: bailey tells him okay herb tells bailey that he stopped by channel 71 to see his old friend bob Musham about a job opening and he was offered the job of assistant sales manager.
1: And we find out here Herb's go to for a fake last name seems to be Musham. I think so. During Sparky, Herb mentioned he was having a BBQ with my neighbor. Big Dick Musham. <laughs> And Big Dick had the idea about the trivia show for Sparky.
3: Did they forget that they used the name first name Dick in the last one? Or
1: I think that possibly Herb they is brothers? just making up names. <laughs> and it sounds legit to him, so he's just kind of making up names. And Mushroom okay. is his go-to last name. I, I That's kind of the feeling I'm getting here. So Bailey tells Herb, that's wonderful. She asks him if he's going to take it. I just
4: don't know. You know
1: how upset everyone gets around here when someone tries to quit. Bailey tells Herb that's nonsense. Grab
2: it.
3: go for the bucks. We ought to have a party, something. <laughs>
1: Man, she is hustling him out the door.
3: Now in the lobby, we see Herb walk through, and he's on his way to see Carlson when Les comes out of Carlson's office. Herb asks Les if he told Carlson. Well, Les says he didn't. Well, I, I, I might have alluded to it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Some hint of it might have dropped out in our general conversation. <laughs>
1: a hint. A hint about it.
3: Herb's plan worked. He's yeah. smiling and he gives Les's arm a slap. Herb heads into Carlson's office as Les is still apologizing for letting it slip.
1: So we move into the bullpen where we see Venus getting a cup of coffee and Herb enters. Now
3: let's take a look at Venus's vibin' threads. Venus is wearing dark blue jeans that have a lazy S stitching on the back pockets. His jeans are tucked into knee-high reddish-brown cowboy boots. He has on a bright orange long-sleeved shirt with breast pockets on each side. There is western-style stitching on each shoulder and he has the shirt unbuttoned down to the fourth button showing two chain necklaces one of which is the star of david so he he's looking very western here
1: i'm always quite impressed that you count how many buttons down <laughs> are unbuttoned I mean, we get that on andy too you yeah, do a button yeah. count yeah on both andy and venus
3: and you mentioned look at venus's waist He's yeah. so thin. That these dark jeans really point it that really out. It really
1: accentuates. I mean, it, it, Tim Reed has got to be like 3% body fat. So Herb asks Venus if he's going to take the job offer. Venus tells him he doesn't think so. Herb nods his head. Herb thinks he has this all figured out. He puts his briefcase on the desk and opens it. He offered you a lot of money to stay, huh? Herb begins putting things from his desk into his briefcase. He's cleaning out his desk. Venus tells him he never really talked money with Andy.
0: Do you realize that WREQ is fully automated? And you know what they wanted me for? Some token black on their corporate roster. (laughs) Well, I told them to stuff it, man. I'm not taking that job. And to paint Max Brown. You understand what I
3: mean? Herb looks at Venus with a confused look on his face. Herb asks Venus what he means.
0: I mean, they wanted to pay me just to sit around and do nothing but be black.
3: Herb tells him that it sounds pretty good to him. Do
0: you
4: think
3: they would be interested
4: in talking to a white guy?
1: (laughs) Herb's kind of missing the point.
3: Venus tells him he doesn't think so. Herb continues to empty his desk into his briefcase. Now,
1: Jason Reilly mentioned affirmative action, and Venus is kind of expanding on it here. This is a policy that began in the United States right after the Civil War. It started out with good intentions. It was a set of policies and laws designed to address discrimination. However, by 1969, affirmative action just became a set of goals and timetables for government agencies and corporations to diversify their workforce. That meant quotas. You had to have X number of a certain ethnic group on your payroll. It was primarily, at this time, African Americans. This led to hiring practices where qualifications didn't matter as much as race. That's why this is very offensive to Venus. Venus would make a great program director, but that's not why he's being hired. He's being hired because he's black. In 2003, the Supreme Court abolished quotas to a certain extent and made things more qualification based.
3: Herb asks Venus if he heard about his job offer. Venus tells him no. Oh, well,
1: I marched right in there
4: to the big guy's office, you know, thinking that maybe he would uh, try to top it. But he didn't. He just congratulated me, and he hugged me, and I think possibly even kissed me, I don't know. Told me how proud he was of me, and said, I'm going to give you a big going
3: away party. Venus tells him that sounds great. Except that I wasn't quite honest with the big guy.
0: You lied about the money? No. I lied about the job. There was no offer.
4: Oh, her. Well, hell, I thought maybe I could uh, get a raise, you know. They were ready to offer you more money, but all I get out of it is, I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Oh,
3: Herb, Herb closes his briefcase and he picks up his coffee mug. Venus asks,
1: what's he going to do? Herb doesn't know. Venus tells him to just go in and tell Carlson the truth. Oh, no. No,
4: sir. Can't do that. Everybody laugh at me and.
1: Then they'd know what a real liar I am. Herb's got too much pride. He can't do it. He picks up his briefcase, he kicks his chair, and he starts to walk out. The funny
4: part about it is I
1: I can't even tell my wife. Venus asks him where he's going. Herb tells him he guesses he's going home. And Herb asks Venus not to tell anybody.
3: Andy enters the bullpen. He's carrying some albums. We see the outside album cover it is a 1979 album by the band Alias. The album is titled Contraband.
1: Alias is kind of a unique little story. They were a Southern-influenced hard rock band formed by former members of Leonard Skinner. The album Andy's Holding was recorded in
2: 1979. When I see me.
1: Band Leonard Skinnerd stopped performing after the tragic plane crash in October of 1977. Lead vocalist and founding member Ronnie Van Zant, guitarist Steve Gaines, and his sister Cassie, who was a backing vocalist, and assistant road manager Dean Kilpatrick, along with the pilot and co-pilot were all killed. There were 20 survivors of the crash. Now, although this may appear to be a cash grab putting out an album of the Leonard Skynyrd survivors, the producers say the Contraband album was done to get the band members back into playing music.
0: Herbert R, you old dog, you. (laughs) Congratulations.
3: Herb shakes Andy's hand and he says thanks.
4: It's television, you know, that's where it's at. You know, you just got to... Got to think into the future. <laughs> well, I can't say as I should argue with you on that. No, sir.
3: Herb says, "Excuse me," and he leaves the bullpen. Andy looks at Venus and points at the door Herb just exited. Isn't that something?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's something, all right.
1: <clears throat> so Andy asks Venus how his lunch was. That's really what Andy's interested in. Venus tells Andy it was interesting. Andy asks Venus how much they offered. Thirty-five thousand. Oh. That was a physical blow. Andy looks defeated. He leans over on the bookshelves behind Venus. Well, you know we can't top that. Andy pulls up a chair. He's going to try to deal anyway.
0: All right, look, here's the deal. I'll give you 2,000 more a year. and make you a system program director. What do you think, 2,000?
1: Venus leans forward towards Andy. Well, let me tell you something about WREQ radio. Okay, look, 2,500. I'm telling you, man, now that, now that, that's as high as we can go. Now, that's almost what Jennifer makes.
3: <laughs> Venus tells Andy that there's more to a job than just money. Andy comes back with 2,600. But that's it. No, I mean it.
2: Sure, I'm a hard man
0: to get along with. But in these days, hey, you gotta be tough. 2,700? How <laughs> oh, about 1,700? I'm sorry, man. It's not... all.
3: <laughs> Andy stops and looks at Venus like he heard him wrong. He asks Venus if he was missing something here. Venus tells him no. You're going down instead of up. See, I was going up. Venus says he knows. Oh, well, in that case, how about 1200 <laughs>
0: 1700 with a catch.
3: Andy asks him what that catch is.
0: That you, uh, you offer Tarlik a $1,000 raise if he'll come back.
1: I... I love how Andy is negotiating against himself. <laughs> yeah. And I also really love this interchange that is coming up. Andy looks at Venus. Herb? Yeah, we're a package deal.
0: <laughs> oh, we are. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're soul brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Andy double checks with Venus. They're talking about Herb Tarling. Venus nods his head. Oh, wait a minute. Herb told Carlson that he was going to get $10,000 more each and every year at the television station. Now, what good is a $1,000 raise? Venus tells Andy if he offers him a $1,000 raise, he'll come back. See,
0: Herb is a spiritual man. (laughs) He's not into the material things of life. We're definitely talking Cordoba. Cordoba for me.
3: Andy is still wanting to make sure they're talking about the same guy.
2: (laughs) Black hair. Funny suit, so the shoes match the
3: belt. That's the guy. Venus tells him, "Yep, that's the guy." Andy says, "All right." He shakes Venus's hand. Andy starts to leave. He looks at Venus and Andy snickers. Venus asks him why he's laughing.
0: Between you and her, that's two thousand seven hundred. I could have gone as high as three thousand. Andy.
3: Leaves the bullpen laughing.
1: I love how he said, We've got a deal, right? We've got a deal. Yeah, he
3: has to make sure that's <laughs> done a done deal. Black hair,
1: funny suits. Oh, boy. Andy's just a lousy negotiator. So we head into the studio for our cappers scene. We hear there's music in the air by Stanley Tarantine playing, and we see Venus reading a magazine. He picks up his coffee mug, seeing it's empty, he heads. Out of the studio to go refill his cup. The door to the bullpen is open, and we get kind of an interesting shot. We see that open door looking all the way through to the studio. We see Herb at his desk. He's putting his things back, returning to his job. Venus leans in the open doorway and smiles at Herb. Uh, Venus, uh, I um.
3: Venus holds up his hand, letting Herb know that there's no need to continue. Herb smiles, and he finds his nameplate. He rubs it on his jacket sleeve to polish it up, and he puts it back on his desk. Venus is smiling, and he gives a little fist pump movement. Herb picks up his family picture, and he's looking at it thoughtfully. He then looks up at Venus. You want a ham? <laughs> you're waiting for him to say <laughs> something, something profound, something heartfelt, sentimental. You know, as he's looking at that but family hey, picture. But hey,
1: it's WKRP. You're and not getting Sentimental, and it's her. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I love carrying the the B story of the ham all the way through to, to the, the last end. moment. We freeze, <laughs> and we do have to talk for a second about that cut we heard. There's music in the air by Stanley Tarantine. This cut comes from his 1977 album Night Wings. He is a jazz tenor sax player who had been working a while at this time. He started on Blue Note Records in 1960. This album was on the Fantasy label, which he moved to in the 70s. Turnteen had more than 40 studio albums of his own, plus he worked as a session player on more than 200 other projects and that is going to conclude Venus Rising Donna what is next week's episode
3: Next up is Most Improved Station at an award ceremony for radio stations Johnny is selected the most popular personality but the station loses in the most improved station category at work everyone begins bickering over everything and they must work out their issues.
1: That's gonna do it for this episode of the WKRP cast. If you'd like to watch along with us, make sure to check our show notes. Find us on social media, follow our Facebook page at WKRPcast, and for even more WKRP fun, join us on Patreon. Become a patron for only five dollars a month. Go to patreon.com slash WKRP cast. And subscribe.
3: Got a question, comment, or correction? Let us know about it. Write us, WKRPCast at gmail.com.
1: And remember to please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.
3: Bye. May the good news be yours. (laughs)
1: The WKRP cast is not endorsed by MTM Enterprises, Shout Factory, or CBS. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. WKRP in Cincinnati, the WKRP logo, and all names, pictures, and audio of WKRP and Cincinnati characters are registered trademarks of MTM, CBS, Shout Factory, or their respective copyright holders.
0: most got, fellow babies, <laughs> Booger!